the sermon text for this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And there we read one of the Apostle Paul's prayers for the church in Philippi. We read, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. As we know, loved ones, in the Bible, uh, we are commanded to pray. We are exhorted to pray from the Scriptures. We read in uh, the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, he instructed them, saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You see here that these are action words that the Lord Jesus is using to describe prayer. The words of asking, of seeking, and of knocking. Uh, each guide us to praying in a certain way to praying with persistence and assurance that God hears us. In fact, uh, Jesus continues and explains the basis about why we can be assured that God hears and answers our prayers according to his will. He says in verses 9 through 11 of Matthew chapter 7, Or uh, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? See, friends, what we learn here is that prayer is possible, and prayer is commanded because we have been accepted by God through the Lord Jesus. That through Christ, we have been adopted into God's family, and we are God's children. And so we learn that when we pray, he hears, and he answers us because he is our heavenly Father. So we learn from the Bible that we must pray. We are given assurance that our prayers are heard and answered according to God's will. And what's wonderful is that in the Scriptures, we are also taught how to pray. We are taught how to ask of our Heavenly Father. And one of the best examples we find in the Scripture of how to pray is the Lord's Prayer, which we pray every Lord's Day here at, at Grace. Now, this is the prayer that the Lord Jesus taught His disciples after one of them asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we have the Lord's Prayer from the Scriptures. We also have the Psalms, Psalms which are a rich storehouse, we might say, of examples of, of prayer. And we also have prayers recorded in the Bible, like 
Paul's prayer here in our text. And we see that Paul here is assuring the Philippians of his prayers for them, that he knew this church, he knew the people within this church, and he tells them specifically what he is praying for them. We see that he is praying for their spiritual growth. This is what Paul asks God, prays that God would give to the Philippians. We see first that he prays for their love to increase in knowledge and discernment. We see in verse 9, Paul writes, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So we see here that Paul prays for their love for one another in the church and that this love would increase. We know that God had already begun his good work in the Philippians' hearts. And now Paul's prayer is that God would continue this work in them and among them and that their love for each other, we read here, would abound, would grow over time and and would reveal itself more and more to the members of the church one to another, between the members of the church. I want us to notice as we look at this verse, verse 9, notice what kind of love Paul asks God to give the Philippians. He specifically prays for love that abounds in knowledge and in discernment. And, you know, it's important for us to see and to understand what Paul is asking that God would grant the Philippians. Because, you know, when we think of love, we so often default to thinking about romantic love, romantic love that is based on feelings. Think of things like Valentine's Day, sentimental, maybe a sappy kind of love. But, you know, that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He is praying specifically for their love to abound more and more in two things, the first being in knowledge. We see that he's praying for their love to be grounded in understanding, specifically in understanding who Christ is and what he has done for them. This is what Paul's own aim in his life was. He says in Philippians chapter 3 that his greatest desire, his greatest desire is to know Christ, to know who Christ is, and to know all that Christ has accomplished in salvation, in our salvation. And so, you know, the question we might ask is, how does this then change our understanding of the kind of love that Paul is praying for the church? How does, how does knowing Christ at a deeper and deeper level affect our love for one another? Well, you know, if our love is only based on emotions for one another, we know that it won't last. And we also know that it won't be very effective. You know, our hearts are fickle, and our emotions, our emotions change rapidly. And they're affected by so many things. 
You know, our emotions are affected by things as simple as coffee, right? Uh, not having a lunch in time affects our blood sugar, and all of a sudden we get upset as a result, right? Simple things like this affect our moods and affect our attitudes and affect our emotions. Some of you uh, may have seen the popular Snickers commercials with the tagline, uh, you're not you when you're hungry. And the commercials usually involve someone who's really mad and upset, but once they eat uh, a Snickers bar, the blood sugar goes back up, and all of a sudden they're kind and nice, and they're themselves again. Commercials are pointing to the fact that, you know, our emotions are sensitive, and we easily uh, get thrown off. And so, you know, when we see a church member in need, we see someone that we can help, in, in some way, uh, we must not depend on our emotions entirely in order to move us to help them, to show loving kindness. And, and this is what Paul is getting at. Paul is getting at the fact that knowing Christ at a deeper and deeper level is what will move us to more, uh, showing more love toward one another. You know, an example is that a church member is, might be in need of, of forgiveness because uh, they hurt me in some way. Right? They hurt you in some way. And you may th- say to yourself, I, I don't really feel like forgiving this person, but I know how much I have been forgiven through Christ, so therefore you are moved to extend that forgiveness to a church member. Or consider a, a brother and sister in the church who uh, needs help financially. You might say to yourself, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like giving at this moment, at this point, helping them in this way. But, you know, I know how much Christ gave up for me. And that is what moves you then toward showing that loving kindness to uh, the other person. And so Paul prays for their love, see, to abound more and more in knowledge, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. But he also, we read, prays that their love may abound in all discernment. Some Bible versions translate this word as uh, insight, as understanding, or as uh, good judgment. And the idea here is that a, a discerning person is able to speak the right word, or is able to do the right thing in in any given situation. So uh, knowing Christ and his love for us then causes us to want to love those in the church, but we know that sometimes it can be difficult to know how to express our love toward the other person, the other church member. You know, have you ever uh, been in a situation where you know you should help in some way, but you're really not sure how. You see your brother or your sister in need, but you're really not sure what would be best to do at that moment. You think to yourself, what should I say or or what should I do to meet the needs of this person at at this moment? And what we learn in our text is that if we want to grow to be people who have discernment, good judgment, understanding in such situations, we need to pray. 
and ask God for it. And that's, that's what is underlining our text here. We need, we need to see the very fact that Paul is praying for these things. He's praying for love that's increasing in knowledge and all discernment in the church in Philippi. And the fact that he's praying for this implies that it is God alone who grants these realities to those who ask. You know, it's very uh, similar to what James teaches us about praying for wisdom. James is very forthright. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what's the answer? Let him ask God. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. See what James is pointing out? He's pointing out the fact that God is the source of wisdom, and he generously grants it to those who sincerely seek it from him in prayer. And it's the same with love, abounding in knowledge and discernment. We need to ask God for this in prayer, that our love as a church, our love as church members might abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. You know, in the Bible, we are taught to ask for our daily bread. We're we're instructed to ask for our physical needs, and so often when we go to the Lord in prayer, that's our default that we ask for. We ask for those things that we know we need at that very moment, and those things that sustain us in our physical lives. But what we see in the scriptures, and what we need to remember, loved ones, is that we are also to regularly ask for spiritual things, because we are completely dependent on God for both physical sustenance and also his spiritual care. Paul says that he prays for the church, and he teaches us to pray for love abounding in knowledge and discernment. And now he gets to the purpose of his prayer. He says that when the Philippians' love abounds in knowledge of Christ and wise discernment, they will then be able to approve what is excellent, as we see in verses 9 through 10 of our passage. Paul says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. So that you may approve what is excellent. You know, what Paul has in mind here is uh, it's a person's ability, it's a Christian's ability to evaluate, to test out a bunch of options, and then after evaluating the options, to know which option is the best choice. You know, it's like, it's like trying out uh, different products before purchasing the one uh, that is best. And many of us do this, right? especially when we're buying expensive things like cars or uh, computers. We might go online and, and read some reviews about the products. And if it's a car, you go to the dealership, right? and you might uh, test drive uh, different cars. And, you know, I always uh, find it funny. I, I, I'm not one who knows how to uh, fix cars, so I always find it funny that every time I have test-driven a car, the salesman has made it a point to lift the hood and to show me the engine. 
and I just look at the engine and I say, it just looks like an engine, right? It's there and it looks good. It's very engine-like, right? So they want me to test out the car to see what, what it's all about. We might do this even with computers, right? You go to the store and you look at all your options and you test everything out so that you might make a good choice, right? So that once we make our decision, we're confident. We can stand back and say, we are confident that we made the best decision. We made an excellent decision. And so the ability to make an excellent decision, we know, requires some work. It requires that we apply ourselves to knowing what is good and what we most desire. And so, you know, we can apply this principle to the many decisions that we make in our lives. The question being, are we always seeking what is excellent in life, especially when it comes to honoring God in our decisions? And, you know, in our text, this is why the Apostle Paul prays that the love of the Philippians might, we read, increase in knowledge and discernment. Again, those, those two words, because he wants them to be profoundly Christian, profoundly Christian, and to apply their Christian faith to every area of their lives. And this is important for us to see in the text, because you know, Paul doesn't point out the excellent thing that he's speaking about. He leaves it open-ended. Notice that he doesn't limit it to a certain category. He he doesn't say, um, so that you may be able to approve what is excellent or what is best in regard to your children's education uh, or in regard to how you spend your money or how you uh, use your time. You know, he doesn't specify one thing because he wants the Philippians to seek what is best in every area of life. And Paul says this requires, this requires that we as Christians abound in the knowledge of Christ, that we continue to grow in our knowledge of Christ and in wise discernment. Because we know that by knowing Christ and his word, we get to know then and we learn to know what pleases him. And, and with discernment, we then know how to make those good decisions. We have that good judgment in every situation so that no matter how many options we have, no matter how many options are before us, we know how to make decisions that are excellent and that are in line with our Christian faith, really no matter what category or what thing we are talking about. You know, I would liken it to, to a child and food. You know, when our children are very small, we parents know that we have to give them food and we choose what they will eat. When they're very small, we know that uh, they're not mature enough to choose what is good for them and to choose what pleases mom and dad. But we also know that as they get older, as they get older and they are fed the choices that mom and dad make over the years, you know, they start to get a sense of what is best. Uh, They start to develop an appetite for uh, what is good and what is nourishing and and what pleases mom and dad. 
their palate becomes a wired, we might say, for what is good. And, you know, so once they're older, as parents, we can say to them, order anything you want, anything you want off the menu. Go to the pantry and get any snack that pleases you. Why? Why can we then feel the freedom to say that? Because you know, as a parent, that they now understand what is best and they will make choices in line with that. So I want us to ask ourselves this morning, you know, are we regularly seeking what is best? Are we seeking what is excellent according to what we know about Christ and the wisdom that he's given us? The Apostle Paul will later write in Philippians chapter 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So we see very clearly the Apostle Paul's prayer for the Philippians and his teaching them that this prayer will result in their desires being changed to Christ-like desires. And we see this very clearly in our third point, the results, the Christ-likeness that results to the glory of God. As Paul writes in the uh, in verses 10 through 11 of Philippians chapter 1, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, Paul here now explains our motivation. He explains our, our motivation for seeking to abound in love and in knowledge and all discernment. He says, it is because of what God has already accomplished for us in Christ Jesus. It is grounded in what Christ has done for us. As we saw last Sunday in verse 6, Paul described the good work that God began in us, the good work of the effectual call of, of regeneration, of calling us from darkness to light, from death to life and graciously granting us a renewed mind, a renewed will, a softened heart that now receives the things of God and that does no, uh, no longer uh, desire the things that uh, displease the Lord. So we have uh, received this good work of grace. It is ongoing also in our lives as the Holy Spirit continues to sanctify us by uh, the word and by the means of grace that God has granted to his church. And the assurance we saw in verse 6 that he will complete it. There is an end point. There is a goal that it will be completed at the day of Christ Jesus when the Lord returns, when we will be made new, not just in our souls, but our bodies will be raised to newness of life. And we know, as we see here in verse 10, that on that day we will stand before the Lord, a pure and blameless. Pure and blameless because Christ 
took our sins upon himself, and he gave us his righteousness. And so on that day, loved ones, we know, we have the assurance that we will be declared righteous in Christ. The Bible assures us, and the Bible assures us that until that day, Christ, by his Spirit, is working in us. He's granting us the fruit of righteousness that comes from his Spirit working in and through us. The Apostle Paul describes this fruit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, the various aspects of it. We read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit within us, sanctifying us, making more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you this morning, loved ones, do you want these things? Do you desire for yourself these things? Do you desire these things for your children and for your church? Do you desire love abounding in knowledge and discernment? Uh, Do you desire to know what is excellent and to know how to approve what is best? I want to encourage you this morning to ask the Lord for these things in greater abundance. Loved ones, let us ask, let us seek, let us knock. We are assured from the scriptures that everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the salvation that we have been given through your Son, our Savior. Thank you for calling us together as a church, united in our faith in Jesus Christ. We pray that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that we may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through him. So the glory and praise of God. In Jesus' name we pray these things.